Hi guys, and welcome to the Lifestyle Design Secrets podcast, where we talk about fitness, nutrition, mindset, and a whole lot more. Thank you for everyone who's listened to all our episodes so far and taken the time to leave a review. If you do enjoy this episode and want the free content to keep on coming, please do take two seconds to leave us a five-star review. Thanks again. Now let's dive in. Hi guys and welcome back to the podcast and um, I am really really excited about today's episode uh, mainly just to catch up with our guest who is Megan Duncan. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Anyone watching the video she was giving you a little wave. Um, so I'm really excited to have Megan on the podcast mostly for selfish reasons because I'm really excited to catch up with her and hear about everything she's been doing. So to give you a little bit of background, Megan and I used to work together. Our nicknames were Barbie and Vegan, yeah. which is something else that we definitely need to cover up as well. <laughs> Your journey from vegan to dating a hunter, which yeah. I can't wait to get into. Um, and so when we used to work together, we used to be the marketing team at Touch of Spice, which is a luxury kind of villa and travel company in Queenstown. And I used to go to the gym every day at F45 and I'd be sat there like with my boiled eggs and my chicken salad and Megan used to look at me like I was just a total weirdo. <laughs> I was such an oddball. Um, and now Megan is competing in bodybuilding and I'm going to probably get all the words wrong. But um, <laughs> what's it called? ICN New Zealand? ICN New Zealand. So it stands for I Compete Natural. So it's a completely natural federation. So they drug test throughout the year. Yeah. And they drug test, spot drug test on the day. So completely natural. Um, and they've so only been not pumping your body full of steroids. No. So everybody who is on stage and you're standing beside on stage are natural athletes. Amazing. So um, when what we're going to do today, guys, is run through a little introduction to Megan and her health journey so far. Mm -hmm her why she got into bodybuilding um, and a few other thoughts then we're going to run through um, the main course my kind of lifestyle design secrets that I run through with most people as part of my program and get Megan's take on them from a bodybuilding perspective which I'm really excited <laughs> about um, knowing us will go off on tons of tangents <laughs> which is why I thought we should give ourselves a little bit of structure today <laughs> and then for your takeaway dessert Megan is going to give us a couple of tips on what aspects of bodybuilding she reckons we can take into daily life because there's definitely quite a few bodybuilding hacks I would say that I use very amateur ones right so Megan tell us a little bit about you where are you from and what brought you to where you are today? Um, so I am originally from Scotland um, and I've been calling Queenstown home for about five years now. Um, so yeah, I met you maybe four years ago now, I think. I think no, I think we arrived within weeks of each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, close to it. Yeah, four and a half years. Yeah, about four and a half years now, which is crazy. Um, and yeah, so I was, I wouldn't say I was ever the healthiest person. Um, I'd been on sort of ups and downs on sort of health journeys and some of them weren't the healthiest in the past and 
living in Queenstown was definitely a struggle because it's full of pubs and you just want to yeah, be out same. partying and Ferg burgers here and <laughs> definitely wasn't the healthiest um, the healthiest of time in my life. And you then know, that's um, a really interesting point that you mentioned that because every single one of my guests so far, I would say, or close to it, has mentioned a shift in environment mm. as like throwing their health journey off in some way, yeah. shape or form. It was it felt like life just went into a washing machine and it was just yeah. spinning and rinsing and repeating but of the wrong habits. Yes. It's kind of really where where I was at. Yeah. Um and then I set myself a bit of a challenge. It was just I was 29 and I decided I wanted to be the fittest I've ever been by the time I turned 30 and that was my goal. So I started off with my first PT um, and saw massive changes so quickly. Um, But the diet side of it, so I was vegan um, and I wasn't really understanding what my body needed, the fuel that it needed. So I was just continuing on on my vegan diet and not really thinking about the Um, the proteins and the carbs and the fats and how they balance out. I was just eating my normal, what I thought was healthy vegan diet. And what did that, what did, what drew you to veganism in the first place? And what do you, what were you eating? Do you remember? I, so I'd been vegetarian for about eight years before going vegan. And it was more, I always felt like I didn't feel like I needed meat. And so I didn't really want to contribute to the meat industry because I didn't. It was an environmental factor at the time. Yeah. And I kind of had this thing, which is funny now, um, (laughs) that if I'm not willing to kill it, catch it and kill it, then I shouldn't eat it. And so, because I didn't want to shop in a supermarket um, with meat. So that's kind of where it started. And then. I dabbled with being a bit vegan in Australia. I was in a very hippie phase of my life at that point as well. Um, it does crack me up because you were such a hippie, like in the I best know. way. And now you're like standing on stage covered in fake tan and a sparkly bikini. I know. You'd never, think I, had, photos of you'd never think I had a dreadlock back in the day as well. But yeah. You had dreadlocks? Yeah. <laughs> Only a couple at the back. Yeah. It was a weird time in my life. yeah so then um yeah and then when I so mostly what I was eating was um like only when I started with this PT did I start actually introducing tofu and tempeh and things like that to my diet like veggie and vegan protein sources yeah before that I was predominantly just on vegetables and Mm -hmm. fats carbs and nuts as a source of protein um I didn't really like the idea of buying like the kind of manufactured um, processed stuff. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really bother with that. Then when I started training with this PT, they were like, you really have to up your protein intake. So started working on that. And then fast forward a few months and it hit my 30th birthday. And I felt, I think by that point, I'd maybe lost like 10 kg. So I dropped a lot of weight. Um, And insanely noticeable difference but I didn't have 
much shape I don't think like I just kind of lost it from everywhere but looked kind of yeah. flat mm-hmm. um that's and then you and me both that's the first thing I did I was like oh like kind of figured how to eat but wasn't really lifting much heavy stuff yeah and I was like yeah I'm 58 kilos and I look emaciated which it loved, which was so trendy it, it, became, like, this is it became so much about the clothes size I was buying and the number on the scales yeah but I still didn't feel I was happy but I still felt like there was more that had to be done mm-hmm. um and at that point my best friend um Jade who you know oh, um yeah. was training for a bikini bodybuilding competition I forgot that she did it first because now you've both done a few yeah so then I was thinking oh this could be kind of fun and it was I went to see her first show and it was amazing and like I used to be a dancer back in the day so I was used to being on stage and kind of loved the glam side of it and could see myself potentially doing something like that um and so that's kind of how it first got introduced to my life was was by Jade doing it which is something she wanted to do for years and she'd always kind of spoke about it and she finally took the leap and did it and I kind of yeah got introduced via her journey um and then I ended up joining the same PT that she had um which was so you just quickly so yeah so PTs and uh coaches which are obviously Mm -hmm. crucial to what you do you've Mm -hmm. been through a few different ones now haven't you yeah so I was with one um when I was just kind of at the end of a my weight loss initial weight loss journey I started with Jade's first PT and to get more of an idea of like the food plan and things like that um and it wasn't really a good fit like I didn't feel like we understood each other um obviously I was coming from a a vegan perspective and their answer was first two bodybuilding shows were as a vegan vegan. yeah So even before I'd started training for the show, this coach's attitude was, it's just easier if you can just eat fish. And I'm like, well, I actually have a seafood allergy, so that's not going to (laughs) happen. And her answer was just, just eat fish. And there was no understanding of like me and, and how I fit into that journey for me. It was like I had to fit the mold of what she did. Yeah. So that didn't really last very long. Um, and then I started. Why was she recommending you fish? Do you know, like the amino acid, like the range of were you not getting enough? There was no explanation on that. It was just we didn't work with vegans, and and so the only way she knew how to work was with meat and fish, and that it didn't. Yeah, I don't don't think that there was the best sort of understanding there from either side. So, and then I started working with a different coach and he'd, again, we were just con- kind of continuing on this weight loss journey and trying to build some muscle. And then I eventually decided that I was going to jump in and commit to a show after yeah, um, <laughs> a bit of a, mm, let's just say a blip and the love. <laughs> like a health blip or like... Um, someone who I, I guess, so, uh, an ex, someone who I was seeing. Breakup blip? 
yeah yeah um and just the there was a lot of toxic energy and things in my life at that time that came from from that side yeah. and I just kind of had it had enough of it and so I decided to have this full empowerment moment when I was like I need to do something for me that is solely for me and really kind of put as much energy into working out the best version of myself for me and so that was kind of the I was already thinking about it and then this person exited my life thank god (laughs) that's like an absolute blessing in disguise yeah and then I, I kind of actually honestly drunkenly went out and bought a pair of show heels on my phone <laughs> and that was it I was, that's fine you have to keep that going I was committed so I went out for a few margaritas and bought some show heels and then I was next thing you know I was doing it and how much of a game changer was that commitment Massive. The accountability once you signed up yeah. you, <laughs> once I bought the shoes um and then kind of told people like that even Mm -hmm. that night I was like I've just bought shoes and I was out with Jade and so she'd done her show and she was getting ready to do another one so we were talking about it and met lots of people out that night and we were talking about yep I'm going to do this and so once it was out there I am the kind of person that once I commit to something that's it like I need I need to see it through um, and you've also, you gave yourself accountability from all angles, right? So you yeah. started talking to people about it. You invested, like yeah. physically. That's what I always say to people. Like, lots of people listen to the podcast and they love my free articles and stuff. But the difference is people who actually lose lots of weight mm. or like change their lifestyles when they invest in a plan because that makes a massive yeah. difference, if that makes and, sense. And so once you've like, and even like committing to everything that you have to yeah. on your bodybuilding journey... It's like a it's, massive investment in time it and all sorts. Not a cheap sport. In the <laughs> like, and I was shocked at the reality of it as well, like how much you can I I definitely feel my second year this year I have been able to be smarter in what I can do myself and and what's actually needed. Whereas in the yeah. first year I was so lost. So a coach would tell me to buy something and I was like, okay, like just going left right and center but in reality a lot of those things I didn't actually need because I could be getting it from food if we just ate smarter and there was a lot of that um so you've learned a lot about that along the way yeah and I think the difference between the difference between doing it vegan and now I am a meat eater um yeah so the massive difference yeah massively and I think the first prep for me so going to my first show um was terrifying (laughs) um and so Jade had done a show already and then my other best friend Corrine I actually met her through Jade doing the bodybuilding um yes lady yeah so That's okay. Just keep talking. I can still hear you.
Oh, yeah. One second, Megan. I'm just going to pause the recording for two ticks. Um, it says you need to refresh your browser. Love a technical issue. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm just trying to get Megan back online. So I'm going to keep recording and having a chat to you. We'll see how she gets on. Cannot wait to talk to Megan about her journey from being a vegan to a meat eater, because I think that's really, really interesting. Back. Hello, you're back. Amazing. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, was just, I was just chit-chatting by myself for a minute. Oh. Yeah, so where were we? um so yeah i'd hit my first show uh done it vegan i was so stoked with what i took on the day and i think the big thing with bodybuilding is ultimately everybody wants to go and win or it's the same for any competition yeah. but i feel like it's such a process and you put so much time energy commitment you give up so much of normal life yeah um to kind of be part of the process so there's this attitude on the day as well, I feel, where you're already kind of winning just getting to stage. Oh, just like, by turning up and like everything you've achieved yeah. by the point that you get there. And I remember everyone telling me, honestly, just by turning up, you'll feel like you're winning. And I remember thinking, I don't know, mm, no, like, <laughs> I don't know. And then it did. Like on the day, you just feel... I, it's such a buzz like I've never had anything like it and ICN I feel are probably they're the only federation I've ever went with um but they're such a friendly federation like yeah. the the president of the federation will message you on Instagram directly you can reach out with questions it felt like there was such a community yeah um which was a big part of it and I think a lot of people think of it as a sport where like it's just vain and they, people are just yeah. pageants and yeah. whatever yeah but then when you're actually backstage it's so chilled it's so mellow everybody's just hanging out and yeah. begging each other up and there is that level of competition but you're also just proud to be there with everybody else yeah you've all been on a similar so, journey yeah and so that was a big part of that first show was really a, an amazing way to get into it and meet other people who were in the sport. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, fast forward, we I actually left the coach that I was with um, for the first show and started with another coach. Um, so I felt like the... I remember the, you being, the don't hold one. back as well, be, if you're happy okay. to, be open, because I remember bumping into you after you ditched that first coach and had the second one, and you were like, holy shit, what was I doing? Yeah, so the first one, um, he he basically ended up on the news for just being a drunken idiot, <laughs> and I didn't want to stand on stage at nationals and be associated with the kind of behavior that he was putting out there. Yeah, so I just felt really like it wasn't a brand that I wanted to be a part of. Yeah. Um, and I do think it made a difference going from a male coach and then my next coach was a female coach. Yeah. 
and she only works with females so the whole energy change was massive and kind of understanding hormones or maybe it just being able to be more vulnerable with your coach and like feel like there was a safe space to open up and she had a really great team and we used to do weekly zoom calls with other girls on the team so that you could talk about how you were feeling and all that kind of stuff yeah so it felt like there was way more sort of emotional support there yeah um but again I was still on a vegan diet and although I was getting more food through this coach it was I was on struggle street for a long a long time Um, I'm just gonna take us on a wee side note do your energy mm. levels and by default possibly your hormones feel different now that you're eating meat do you reckon energy energy levels massively okay um I think and with the energy comes so much more so last year I remember just feeling fatigued for months on end like no amount of sleep and it was almost you were so fatigued that my sleep was terrible as well like I couldn't have a good night's sleep Yeah, yeah permanently and I think as well at that point I I was taking it too serious I was too tunnel vision in the whole process and it did kind of massively affect a lot of relationships with people in my life which was probably the hardest part of the whole journey was talking to family back home and they're just concerned because you look real small and skinny and are you doing this healthy and I was just so like tunnel vision I'm fine like yeah. don't don't tell me how I feel, but deep down and in hindsight, which is an amazing thing, <laughs> I was miserable, and I can a hundred percent see why they were concerned. Yeah, um, and it does. It massively affects your relationship with your friends as well because you can't drink. So I think last year I was sober for about eight months. Yeah. So you can't drink. You can't eat. You can't really go to dinner parties or anything you can go out on a night out and just be sober which is fine and people do that and but you have to have the energy to do that and it's sometimes not as appealing if you have to get up and go to the gym the next morning yeah Yeah. so then it becomes what are you choosing where are you going to distribute your energy levels yeah and I'm investing a lot into this so that's where the energy has to go so and I think a lot of my friends last year didn't understand the process yeah and didn't really get it and didn't really see eye to eye on like why you would want to do it yeah um and I really struggled with that I really struggled with that feeling of not being seen kind of really actually having yeah and really having people's support yeah um so that was a really tricky time to kind of mentally balance all of that pressure of sacrifice of everything you're giving up for something very selfish yeah and but it was good for me like I was wanting to do it and I was driven to do it and in hindsight now when when you are looking after yourself and you're doing something for you do you reckon mm, that makes you turn up as a better partner now and yeah I think now in hindsight, this year I have 
I'd say this year's probably been one of the happiest years of my life. Like I, so many great things have happened. Yeah. And I do think that that is something that I would put down to being on prep and on that kind of journey as well. Yeah. Because it does, it kind of forces you to put yourself so far out your comfort zone to challenge yourself and to look to other aspects of your life where you could also be striving for more or where can I challenge myself professionally or and so many other things. So it did change a lot of that. And then I feel like I've went into this year with hindsight and being able to kind of correct where I was unhappy last year. Yeah, that's awesome. And can I just have have a redo? And this is what I find so interesting as well, because people see the like fake tans and the bikinis and like you being on stage. Mm. And they probably think that you've been eating chicken and broccoli for like six months, but they probably don't understand like all the mindset shifts and the learning process and journey mm. that you go on, which I think yeah, is amazing. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah. Because I am I, um, part of it as well. So after I'd finished my show last year, I was like feeling the best I've ever felt in myself at that point. And I but was like, man, I'm single. But I was like, I'm single. And if I do prep again, I'm going to be single forever. Because who is How going to date gonna someone, someone who can't eat and drink? How are you going to? Like, there's only so much coffee you can drink. I can't wait life. to get into the environment part of this and, like, how you tackle the environment around you. So, because I love, love, love topics on this podcast, how did you meet Tom? <laughs> and is he part of the reason that vegan Duncan <laughs> really enjoyed the, the lamb cofters at my wedding? <laughs> field with a friend um probably around about this time last year and I'd had enough of snowboarding for the day I was like I'm done I just want to chill yeah and hang out and my friend he wanted to keep on going so I went back to the base building sitting by myself and I thought there's some babes up on the mountain let's see who's on bumble (laughs) so here's me sitting at the base building just swiping away and anyway and then it must have been I got home that night and had matched with Tom and so we started chatting then so he's based in Wanaka yeah so he always thanked my friend um Clem who I was up the mountain with because if we weren't up the mountain we probably would never have matched because we wouldn't have been in the distance yeah. <laughs> oh my god modern dating and I know. the intricacies yeah so yeah we and then that yeah so we met we were one of those online bumble loves you know yeah um so yeah and then I was so excited when you started telling me about Tom though because he sounds amazing he is he's a good egg good egg supportive (laughs) how different yeah having like a supportive partner insane yeah and I think as well like so yeah the back uh, the or you said it at the start. So Tom is a hunter. So yeah. he's a hunting guide. So when I first, when we first started seeing each other, all my vegan? friends were like, the vegan is dating a hunter. Like, what the hell? 
And I remember telling my dad, and he was just thinking of this big Kiwi man with like big grey straggly beard and I don't know, like fishing rods over his shoulder. And I was like, definitely not. <laughs> um, so I was still vegan when we started dating. And then we'd kind of, we went, I was one of our first dates and I remember we sat down at dinner and I was talking about, do I compete again? I don't know. Um, and I'd had a good experience with the female coach I was with. Yeah. But again, I didn't fully feel like I enjoyed all of that process yeah. with her. There was something I felt like I just needed, a, a again, more of a mindful approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided at that point, if I was going to compete, then I would do it eating meat. Because part of me was wanting to see the difference and kind of like an experiment with myself, how far I can push myself. I feel like I pushed myself as far as I could on a vegan diet with what I was doing. I might have to pause and, there and, and say wanted... that how incredible you look for your first show. I was like, shit, I wish she'd eat some meat because I would love yeah. to see what you could do <laughs> with like, yeah, I guess more of a range of protein available to you. Mm. Um, yeah, so that Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was the thing I wanted to see if I was going to do it again, I was going to fully commit and just do it to the best of my ability with the right coach and the right foods. Yeah. And so then when I was having this conversation with Tom, obviously he's a he's a venison hunter, so there was a unlimited supply of deer. Um lean too that yeah super lean so yeah and and so that was kind of it and he'd always said from the get-go and I tried to pre-warn him like that bodybuilding okay. crap and what it means like I'm not going to be a lot of fun I'm not going to be able to drink or won't be able to do all this like cool stuff that we love doing and his response the whole time was just as long as you're happy I'm happy and as long so... as you do what as long as you like are healthy and doing what you want to do, then I completely back you in whatever you're doing. So there was never any question from his side. Um, that is amazing. And I and I'd always say it to him: Are you sure? Like, yeah. Are you sh- before we get too deep into prep? Are you sure you want to like? Yeah. And I was almost like not pushing him away, but just reiterating that it can be is going to be tough. Yeah. And his answer was the same every time. If you're asking if I'm in, I'm in. And that was it. That's so, so good. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing was finding a new coach. So um, I went back to a ma- different male coach. Um, yeah. But he is, uh, he has a master's in, oh, he's a dietitian. Oh, yeah. Um, so PhD. And that first. Yeah. And then is an ICN bodybuilding pro. So I liked. Yeah. So he's got his pro card. Um, That's amazing because I think so many people when they get into bodybuilding coaching have been a PT or competed themselves and like fumbled through and been like, I'm going to do coaching just from some of the shocking stories I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to change it in a way that, so I'm changing my diet massively and I want to learn from I actually want to learn from someone like yeah. what should I be eating and, and, and the mindset that goes with it. So I'm going to um, um, 
drag us into main course, Megan, because otherwise we're just yes. going to keep chatting. Away. I know, we're, we're here gonna, forever. We're going to cover mindset, how you handle your environment, mm -hmm. habits, movement, so your workouts, and nutrition, which I'm so excited to get into. So yeah. with this new coach, what were the kind of, or in general, how important has mindset been to you? And has it been different this time? Mindset is everything. Yeah. Like absolutely everything. Um, and you said, so, so when, when you I... first started your health journey, when you mm -hmm. decided to sign up with a PT, when you were 29, you know, the statistics for people who run marathons with the age ending in nine? No. Because everyone freaks out <laughs> before big yeah. birthdays. Like it's crazy. Yeah. It's it was mental. um Yeah. I think so his he has a very mindful approach to everything, yeah. I think. And so and the key thing he always says to me is it is about progression over perfection. Yeah. Because perfection will never be reached and anytime you think you're getting close to it, the goalpost is gonna move. Oh, it's not a destination. So, no. no. So as long as you're seeing progress weekly or you're feeling progress daily, then you are winning at whatever you're setting yourself to. Yeah. So that was a massive thing and something that I kind of kept reminding myself of mm -hmm. um, daily. And you do have those days where there's the wobble and you're like, what am I doing? Why am I doing like this? everyone does, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think as well, his, his approach to everything was... Um, like he almost leads you in a way where you make the decision. So that's a good I remember coach. saying, yeah, they don't tell you and they, they bring you to realization. To it. Yeah. Yeah. So when we were, we'll go through more of the nutrition later, but yeah. the, in the plan, he gives you options of what your carbs are. He gives you options of what your meat are and all the different so you actually learn what you're getting from each protein or carbohydrate source. Yeah. Okay. Rather and than so, like eat this and don't ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you look at your menu for the day for lunch and dinner, I basically have nine variations of what I could eat. Amazing. And you do become absolute creature of habit. And that is me to a T. I eat the same thing for lunch, the same thing for dinner because of ease. And when Most you're eating do. and, yeah. and doing everything else, it's easier just to bang out three portions and you know that that's lunch for a few days. Yeah. But it's about having the psychology of having choices that makes you feel like you're not restricting yourself unless you choose to restrict yourself by choosing to eat the same thing. Um, so that was a massive part of it. And also when it came to things like alcohol, I remember saying to him, I feel mentally that I'm not being social. Like I'm feeling myself retracting the way I did last year. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. And I don't want to have those friendships and relationships break down. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, okay, well, why don't you have two glasses of wine, red wine on a Saturday night? And I was like, oh, like stop I, the bus. Can, I can have wine. And then we worked out that I work better when it's a challenge or I have a goal that I need to reach. So we made a deal that on Saturday, as long as I hit 
X amount of steps, I can have two glasses of wine and I have to do X amount of steps on a Sunday alongside training. And I was doing cardio anyway. It's like making a little deal with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew if I was out walking on a Saturday afternoon and I was like, I don't want to do this. But the reward is that I get to go with my friends and go out for a drink in a bar and get dressed up and feel normal and feel part of everything. Yeah. And so it was just having that reward for yourself. I Um, mean, this kind of bodybuilding coach is making me think that maybe I could do it. Because I've always been like, I don't think I really want to give up wine or socialising is my issue. Because not socialising, but like downtime with friends. Yeah, it's hard. But then it got to a point where I was over having my wine. Like... It got a few weeks like in and I was like, oh, like, I don't, I don't feel like I need this anymore. And so I said to him, if I have the option, can I have more food and take away the wine? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, that I had to wait for you to ask me to remove alcohol. Because if not, you're going to feel like I'm taking it away from you. He was taking it away from you. That's so interesting. So he lets you get to a point where you realize would I rather keep smashing back two glasses of wine? And let's be honest, you always have two and you want more. Like yeah. two is that line well, is where you you're like, two? Yeah, it was tough. Yeah. So then it's like, is it easier to just not have not it? Have any. Yeah. But enjoy the other side of having more food. And we put into my plan fakeaways. So it was like oh, homemade pizza, yeah. homemade tacos and homemade burgers. Amazing. So that I could have a weekend meal where me and Tom can cook dinner together and he wants to eat it or me and my housemates can have dinner. And so it was ways that other people can be involved in my food plan. I love and that. And it kept that social. Yeah. Because yeah. that's so, so the next aspect I was going to ask about was environment. So mm. how does your environment change during prep? Less eating out or going out, like anything else. But you've just, this coach sounds like a dream because he's, helped you enabled you given you permission to include your friends and family and still a relatively like Mm. a few normal meals yeah but in a way it does impact your health yeah and it that made a massive difference um I think as well being able to like having Tom on the journey with me as well has made me have to like on weekends not be fully selfish on like Mm -hmm. I would just be going to the gym and then being like I'm not doing anything I'm gonna hang out yeah whereas like having someone who's on the journey with you and they're like let's go and do something fun and so we we made sure that on a weekend that we were doing something even if I it was just me getting my steps in yeah take the dog and we go on an adventure and we try and make it a conscious thing of not just having days where we sat and did nothing. Yeah. And so it was forcing yourself where everything else is restricted. Mm-hmm. Like you can't eat out and no drinking and like you're not really wanting to go to all the parties and be the designated driver. Yeah. Um, but making sure that the time that you do have
That's okay. You're still recording. It just doesn't like your video, does it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because that's what I think puts people off about starting any kind of health journey is the kind of perceived isolation. If that makes sense, or like you're going to be, I'd actually just read an article about it, like you're going to be the weirdo. In today's, I had like three women message me and be like, oh, I'm so proud of myself. Like I asked for no toast at Coffee Culture. Why have I never done that before? And another lady who was like, oh, I asked for my, like, for my chips to be taken off. Like, and people looked at me like a weirdo. And it's like, in this day and age, you have to be a weirdo. Like, to not eat shit. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, you wouldn't have been doing it if Jade hadn't, most likely. Um, Megan, it's just, it's asking me to get you to refresh your browser again. You, I really want to screenshot the, the shot that it's saved on. It's so good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry about Megan's technical issues. She's over at the Mountain Club shared office space in Queenstown. So I don't know what's going on with their internet. It's usually amazing. Um, Highly recommend that spot to anyone um, looking for a space to work and meet people in Queenstown, or even if you come down here for meetings and things. It's really, really cool. So now that we've covered off some of Megan's environment changes, um, I think she's about to be back. How exciting. <laughs> so all those environment changes and how you affect the people around you or how you affect them. I think it's quite magical because the amount of people I see who like, they do a plan and their husband loses weight by accident mm. or like vice versa. It really does. I've got, I've got a 68 year old client who's amazing. And his um, brother and sister-in-law have just like, they've all lost about 13 kilos. Nice. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, but so you definitely whatever you're doing does kind of permeate mm -hmm. to the people around you doesn't it yeah for sure less eating out do you reckon you save money no because bodybuilding is so expensive <laughs> i remember last on diamond bikinis yeah i remember last year everyone like you must be saving so much money i'm like i just dropped 500 dollars on protein powder and supplements like <laughs> no <laughs> Um, oh, I can't wait to get onto the nutrition. I feel like we need to leave loads of time for that because I'm intrigued. Yeah. About how 
how much you rely on protein powder and what's involved mm. in it. So um, the next point that I tend to run through with people as part of the program, one of my lifestyle design secrets, I call it, um, habits. Mm. First habits of all, habits are key. So, and it's James Clear who says, you don't, you know, fall to the strength of your willpower how you succeed I'm really butchering this quote but like how you succeed is by making things easier yeah so how much do you what habits did you have to put in place and what should you do to make it easier um during prep versus normal time and do you reckon some of the habits that you build during prep have stuck with you yeah for sure I think um it's almost like coming up with a routine that you yeah. know that you can commit to and works for you day to day and yeah. just making sure that whatever that routine is fits around everything that you need it to fit around so for me that means getting up at five thirty to go to the gym because I need yeah. I need to get it done in the morning where I've got that burst of energy first thing and then I get on with my day as normal and then so I just get... to clarify you do tell everyone what you do for work because you do work I do work. As well, in case people were just thinking that Becca was a lady of leisure. I wish. Um, <laughs> no, so I am sales and marketing manager for the Gibson Tavern and the GT Tasting Room. Which, which is are, amazing if you haven't been. Yeah, um, they're based out in Gibson. And then I'm also doing freelance marketing as well now. So Ground getting up marketing? Yeah, Instagram. ground up marketing, that's me. Um, so yeah, keeping my fingers in all the pies because I'm not allowed any pie right now. So <laughs> I can't wait to get to reverse dieting or whether you're doing that or whether you're just mm. going straight to the next show as well. So many yeah. questions. Um, so yeah, habits are crucial to in order to yeah. fit all your exercise and everything you need to do around a sort of semi full time job and side. Yeah. And so I think it's, yeah, working out how to fit everything in and just committing to it. Like there's so much, there's so much time in the day. Yeah. And I think when you think about how much time you spend just kind of sitting or like thinking that you're doing stuff. And I also think it's, especially going to the gym. So I have about an hour and a half of weight training a day and then 45 minutes of cardio. And what I do actually, you, how do you split that across the day? We're doing movement next, but, so I'm intrigued. I do all in one go. Do you all in one I go can. in the morning? I yeah. try and do it all in the morning, or I and do then, a little bit of cardio and then I go back in the evening and do cardio. But mm-hmm. I actually use my cardio time <clears throat> to watch something on Netflix or so good to to catch up on emails or message friends at home, and it means I'm actively doing something whilst doing other things that I would be doing anyway rather than just yeah. going home and watching Netflix for an hour well just go on the cross trainer do an hour and I'm you're watching, watching the same show so it's little things like that um and I also think when it comes to food I think that creating habits in what you're eating your body becomes so adjusts so well to kind of that repetitive action of what you're eating and how you're training and so I think, yeah, having habits within your food of understanding the balance and 
even little things like just making sure things are prepped like if you're prepping pumpkin for one meal just do three meals and then because (laughs) everything's there and it's convenient you've done one night of prep but your food is sorted and so you're less likely going to break the habits that you're setting so it's just like preparation is key as well I think in everything you're preaching to the choir you are yeah I absolutely love that you find that too because everyone's like oh I didn't you know oh I failed today I had a bit of a fuck up went out for like you know went out to grab lunch because I didn't have it with me and it's like Mm. it just the mental capacity it gives you if you've just prepped your meals yeah just there I think as well because if people are going if you're going out and grabbing something it makes me feel more stressed because like it's not on plan I don't know what the weights are which obviously mine is quite an extreme compared to just an average person trying to eat healthy yeah it takes away the stress of not knowing and not knowing what's in it and then just being able to not have to ever have that feeling of guilt which yeah I think people you shouldn't have a feeling of guilt with anything that you eat like as long as you are mindful in what you're eating just like you shouldn't be feeling guilty but naturally I think those feelings do creep in when you then look back on your week and think I've had a really healthy week but I ate that curry or I ate whatever I ate and so it limits those feelings as well which then I think can still make you have a healthier relationship with what you're eating you've um, um, done what you you stuck to what you said you were going to do yeah and that's a, a really big kind of dopamine trigger mm. and you're also you're removing the noise from yourself like if you've got meals prep you don't have to go out to a cafe you don't risk choosing something that might not potentially align with your goals yeah I guess and it'll save you money <laughs> saves you tons of money mm. oh my I just I got a really awesome yeah message the other day that like lady <laughs> like not not buying lunch out she's like I'm saving so much money <laughs> and it's like you would because like Scott who I always throw under the bus like when we came out of lockdown and he'd mm. no he'd lost seven kilos in lockdown just because I was just making his food and he just didn't bat an eyelid as soon as he came out of lockdown and he was like oh yeah he sang his pies he just yeah. like a pie a toasty like just because if you are grabbing stuff without thinking, it's not necessarily the food that's out there is not going to be the best. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So I'm intrigued onto your workouts before we yeah. get onto the food. So the fourth aspect I usually write to people is movement. Mm. So how many steps did you do in a day? Um... How did you? Yeah, what did your weightlifting look like? Heavy weights, light weights? I'm so intrigued. So we do, um, right now my program is three lower days and two upper days is kind of how we split. But on the lower days... For everyone who's listening that isn't like a bodybuilding aficionado, she's talking about a lower body, (laughs) upper body. (laughs) Like, yeah, uh, for the lay person, what, like glutes and hammies? Yeah. So and her, her bum and legs, and yeah. quads, and, and then, then shoulders, then... back, and arms. Shoulders, back, and arms. But yeah. we actually do on my leg days. I finish with shoulders, so I actually train upper body five days a week. 
um even oh, if wow, it's so it just get some extra shoulder gains in there. yeah so oh, i love our chats about shoulders i know so basically so my first two competitions i went into the bikini category um which what typically people don't know yeah they want you to be sort of lean a little bit of muscle um nothing too defined um really so not too much muscle for the bikini yeah. category and so I went into those categories because I feel like my first coach kind of wrongly directed me and said that that's where yeah. I should go. So I did. Um, Probably because you were so skinny at the time. Yeah, Was but that... I still had, I've always had wide shoulders, yes. wide shoulders and a small waist. So yeah. having that more X proportion, yeah. which isn't really what they look for in bikini. They kind of just look for that kind of soft kind of petiteness in a way I think yeah hourglass but not too extreme yeah um yeah whereas my waist can go pretty small when I really cut down um so when I went when I decided I was going to compete again this year we agreed that I should move up and go into the figure or classic figure realm which is wide shoulders narrow waist and then kind of wider bottom so creating a, a, an x basically yeah. in your physique and so with that um we heavily intensified the upper body training to kind of mm-hmm. pack on the muscle up top um but i find that i naturally can put on quite a bit of muscle up top <laughs> i remember us talking about this because when i i did a bit of a food experiment a couple of years ago when i was doing f45 and i ended up with massive shoulders yeah it was they weren't massive but like none of my dresses fitted yeah so I think you can especially when you get your nutrition right yeah you you can put on muscle quite easily if you're doing the right training yeah so it's the balance between the two I think so we did a mini bulk um so I think I put on maybe like five or six kgs to to bulk up and then gain that muscle yeah and then we cut down and I think by the time we got to stage last weekend I'd went I'd maybe dropped 11 or 12 kg from what I'd put on at the bulk wow so you um, put on five to six and then dropped 12 and then yeah Holy um, shit. but yeah I think we with... have any idea what your like body fat percentage was no stage, and we don't... don't measure it no I did last year but we didn't bother this year because ultimately what did you get down to last year do you know I actually can't remember. It wasn't oh, yeah. too low. Like I think it's um I mean, I won't speak too soon. We're going in for another show in October and the aim is to shred <laughs> absolutely oh, shred everything God. else off. Um but yeah, so for this one in terms of like the gym training, it's mainly four or five key exercises per um gym session. So I always so do two days on. No, it's pretty, the programs are pretty straightforward and it's been the same program for months. So it is that rinse and repeat, increasing um, the weight, but making yeah. sure that you're like RPE. So like your sort of performance and whatever you're doing doesn't drop. as yeah, you're, so you're not the increasing the weight and doing fewer reps. Yeah. So we're trying to keep yeah. that balance. Um okay. So, and typically, Can I just I was... say you're you're really you're going to be disappointing everyone here because everyone loves a like 
brand new seven minute apps on Instagram. No. Like a brand new workout that's going to fix everything. And it's like, actually, what wins the day? Like you said, it's a journey, not the destination as well. Or your coach yeah. painfully boring repetition. Yeah. But then I think it's like picking the competition, like in yeah. yourself. So like I have key exercises, like overhead shoulder press, pull-ups and leg press are yeah. three things in myself that I compete with myself every week that I'm not allowed to do the same weight even if it's one kg heavier or 0.5 yeah. or an extra rep and so it's like you get competitive like and get yourself hyped up to go and do the same exercise you do every week but you're trying to beat yourself and so it's like that. Yeah. having that level of it keeps it exciting and for a lay person, for example, just wanting to get healthier, like you said, even mm. in the weekend, you were trying to hit a step goal. Yeah. So even just trying to kind of beat yourself yeah. in, in that way could be really interesting. And I think it's as well, motivation. it's, um, I think the, the big thing that when I first started doing it, and especially this year when I was bulking, people were like, oh, you're going to get real manly. And it's like, I don't, it's that, it's changing the stereotype of, by weight training a female is going to get a man's physique and that is just never going to happen like you no. you oh can't God, you said that. and like yeah you can get wide shoulders but find find me a man who can get a waist as small as mine with wide shoulders like yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's completely different body compositions and so I think that that is the key thing in weight training whether it is low weight and high reps as long as you're feeling the burn then your body's working and doing what it has and to do pump, right yeah. yeah or you go lower reps and higher weight and you should be feeling the same sort of levels of fatigue mm -hmm. but in no way is doing that going to give you a man's body if you're a female and if you're a man no. you're not going to get a female's body by weight training and it's the, the key thing i learned was and a lot of like um magazines or like adverts and things they talk about weight training when it's about men like men who weight train and lift but then the language changes when it goes to females and they talk about get toned get lean and it's using those words yeah but actually the exercises that you're doing to get toned and lean is also the exercises that you're doing to, to get buffed and get muscle and ultimately by getting toned and lean you are building muscle but I feel like there's this stigma around it where if I'm talking about packing on muscle, people think, oh, it's going down that manly what are you route. Thinking? But yeah. if I said, no, I'm going to get super toned and super lean, then it's like, yeah, okay, that's a female's physique. So I think it's just changing that conversation around how people talk about weight training is massive. It is, and it's it pains me because I hear a lot of people, they go, I just want to tone up. And I'm like, what you're actually saying scientifically is you want to lose the layer of fat that's hiding any muscle underneath. Mm. But of course, there has to be muscle underneath yeah. to create that toned look in the first place. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's a real like toning, like like you say, just the way they phrase it in like magazines yeah. is such a shit show and very misleading for people. Mm -hmm. I reckon. Massively. Um, so on this topic. Mm -hmm. um, I meant to ask you this right at the beginning. So when people come to me and they tell me their body composition or their figure is genetic, there's nothing they can do about it. It's the way they were born. 
they've always had a belly and their mum had one too. Like, I get it. I certainly have inherited stuff from my parents. But what would you say, having been on the journey you've been on and transformed your body this many times, what would you say? I think that there is a level of genetics that play in it. Mm -hmm. And the fact that genetically, or I've been told, so I've been told, my shape of my wider shoulders and the way I'm able to pack muscle on up top is probably a little bit genetically. Yeah. That's just where it goes. Um, or when I'm cutting and we're trying to burn the fat, I lose the fat quicker on my back and my shoulders and my arms than I do on my legs because you can't decide where fat loss goes, like comes That's from. so interesting as well because when we were working together, and you were slightly bigger before you started any of this health journey. I remember us talking about it because I pack weight on my boobs and my belly, whereas yeah. you would be way more the bottom half. Yeah. Right? Naturally. And, yeah. So I think yeah. that when it comes to... So fat distribution can definitely be genetic. Be genetic. I yeah. Reckon. Yeah. And the same way that I carry a lot of weight in my lower tummy, and I know that my mum does too. Yeah. Me too. But then I, I think... I think that's a female thing. Yeah. yeah, sorry. But then I think when it gets to a point of when you're training and focusing and driving to do something, you can kind of throw genetics out the window because as long as you're willing to be working super hard and if you know that you have a problem area and you can work more on that problem area, then you will see the changes. And my coach told me this year, so I got a six pack for the first time in my life. Yeah. And he was like, your abs are definitely genetics he was like you've got such nicely shaped abs and I was like no one in my family has ever even seen an ab like no offense mom and dad but like (laughs) not not they're not the sort of fit physical kind of yeah body type well, you only get to your all... abs by losing a certain amount of body fat, don't you? Exactly. So then I think when people argue that it is just genetics, if you're looking at your mum and dad and thinking, well, I can't change because that's how they are. But if yeah. they went on the same journey as you, then would they have that kind of physique? You know? And actually, you know, you say that, you know, your ability to put on muscles on your shoulders is mm. lightly genetic or your abs, but had you not been in the gym doing pull-ups and shoulder presses for the last three to six months, would you know that you have the ability to put muscle on your shoulders? You wouldn't have a clue. No. So I think... So it's also the, the, um, what's it called? Like the kind of, the forces that you apply to your body make a big difference. And also the nutrition, which I can't wait to go. Yeah. I think, I think that's the thing. If everyone was doing, if everyone in my family was doing my training program and following the same thing I was and doing the same process, would we all end up with the same physique? Who knows? But I think people tie genetics to it because it's easier to compare yourself to like your parents and what is in front of you. It's, but, it's easier to outsource the power. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's, 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 a, lot, it's a lot more comfortable to believe that you don't have the power to change what you want to exactly um whereas yeah once you start making the changes and you really hammer into what it is you're trying to do then yeah 
you might discover that genetically you do pack on glutes and you're going to have the peachiest bum ever because that's I where all your muscles share, are. I like some photos of like <laughs> Megan's incredible, incredible ass in a sequin bikini, little bit. Oh, I just genetically pile the fat on my lower half. I think, well, yeah. I think that's what I love about bodybuilding is like no matter what your genetics are, it's mm. such an extreme form of general life so the change that people can make in general life just amplified yeah like, insanely insanely and it's like such a little like it's like a little lap mm. of like what what changes you can make to your body when you really manipulate the inputs and the outputs yeah. and like even today so we've changed my slightly changed my workout program just because I'm going into a new block of eight weeks so to keep it mm -hmm. exciting I've been on the same program since January or February so just to give it a bit of a revamp we're just shaking up some of the exercises and my coach is like sweet we're going to just add in some calves like let's just start building your calves because why not kind of thing and it'll give you yeah. a nicer shape and whatever and it is it's like when you start pinpointing the places that need work and you just then it becomes the repetition of hammering that part of your body and making sure there's enough rest in between as well. But it is ultimately what your coach and you do is sit down, look at a check-in photo and work out where do I need to build and what do I need to focus on? And that's what yeah. you go and do. And you just actively go and over months build it. Like it doesn't just appear. Actually build it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, okay. So I think we should trust us an hour and five minutes already. Oops. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> um, sorry, Megan, and sorry, listeners. Um, nutrition. Mm. Tell me everything. <laughs> That's what, like, so how important do you. I've got so many questions. Like, what do you understand about nutrition that you didn't previously? the difference meat has made and how you change your nutrition from say a bulking phase to a cut. So going from the main differences, I'd say being on a meat diet this time is that I was able to bulk. I was able to put on quite a lot of muscle mass. I'd never done a and bulk. Just to clarify, you put on muscle mass, not necessarily lots of fat. Oh, to I clarify for people. Yeah, I was eating super clean. And yeah. so there, there wasn't tons of fat in my diet. It was putting yeah. on muscle. Yeah. Um, but my first show, before my first show, because I'd just been on this massive weight loss journey, I didn't do a bulk. I didn't try and bulk up on muscle. I basically yeah. then just went into a bigger cut. Yeah. So there wasn't tons of muscle under there. But then between show one and show two, I did manage to actually pack on quite a bit of muscle. And then when we actively went into a bulk, um, like the calories weren't super high. Like it wasn't insane. And this um, is really good for people to hear because you, you were obviously doing the workouts and you were gaining muscle, but without yeah. aiming to gain a lot of body fat at the same time. Yeah. It's kind of and crucial. So I just looked, I looked way fuller than... Yeah than what I did before because obviously I was putting it on um but I did find that it was easier to bulk up with meat and when we've got into the cut 
and you get to quite low calories, being on a meat diet has helped sus- like sustain you Does longer. It help keep you fuller? Yes. Because yeah. so, I feel yes. like when I was on a vegan diet, I would eat and within an hour, I'd be like, okay, counting down to my next meal. Yeah. Whereas now we've worked. <laughs> it just loves freeze framing you on like the best faces. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. Megan, sorry, it's asking me to refresh you again. <laughs> this friend, this internet browser hates us, doesn't it? I'll have to have a go at cutting some of these out. I might actually have to do some editing on this podcast. <laughs> so just while we wait for Megan to come back, I think she made a really, really interesting point there that as soon as she started eating meat, she was not only able to gain more muscle, that she makes you look more toned, um but she was also able to kind of she found eating less calories easier because of how filling it was which I think is really fascinating so that's definitely something to take into daily life oh you're back I'm back. <laughs> um, so you were just talking about snacks yeah so we used so to you do kind of meal snack lunch snack dinner um so when I'm on law low days yeah which i'm back on right now um so post show we're back into the cut um i have just to clarify for people so bulking is the period during which you build up your muscle mass and your calories are slightly higher cutting is when you are cutting body fat yeah to then try and retain and show off the muscle that you've built underneath um and so when I'm on yeah so when I'm cutting I have for example before I work out in the morning I have my oats my protein oats with some fruit and that's at like 5 30 in the morning and then you do that that, before you work out yeah because if not I'm going in for like a two hour two and a half hour session on an empty stomach like god yeah no you wouldn't want to do that it's like trying to drive 10 kilometers when you've only got three kilometers of fuel in the tank like yeah kind of got already at a really low body fat Mm. yeah and then we worked out I was leaving the gym starving and I wasn't meant to have anything until lunch but we've worked out that I need that like mid-morning something to get me through so I literally just have like a serve of protein so like some meat and some salad greens and green beans so it's yeah a super what's your go-to meat at the moment oh just venison (laughs) (laughs) um so i yeah so i have that in the morning then i have my lunch afternoon i'll have a protein shake then i have dinner and then before bed i have a piece of fruit so like a dessert thing so really i'm eating every three to four hours we try not go over three to four hours without having a serve of protein. 
is kind of how because it works. The idea behind that being to keep the amino acids in your muscles so that you don't catabolize them. Sure. I don't know. I just did one for <laughs> I love that for everyone listening who I just totally lost um, that you generally do that when you're bodybuilding because you've worked so hard to gain all this muscle yeah you don't, you don't want to eat it a, yeah on a on a very low calorie diet you don't want when your body fat stores are so low I want to clarify with people your body will always try and if you're fat adapted it will burn your body fat before it starts catabolizing your muscle and when you get to very, very low stages of body fat, like you can see, Megan, I feel like you should give us a wee flex on camera. <laughs> so Megan has not got much muscle, not got much fat, sorry. Not got much small. fat at all, your tiny muscles. You're outdoing me. Um, and so when you get to that stage of low body fat, your body can start to eat. It sounds really bad, but start using, breaking down your muscles for energy. Mm which you don't want if you're bodybuilding because you want to keep yeah. as much of that as possible yeah um so yeah we worked we worked out that that was kind of the rhythm that i need to be in to sustain me throughout the day yeah perfect um, and so how much how what are your what are your macros what are your macronutrients at the moment i actually don't know again i just follow the program. <laughs> um, I reckon your carbohydrates would be a hell of a lot more than i so we do um people losing fat yeah so like last week peak week which previously on peak week we do water loading dehydrating it's not good on your body but my coach actually doesn't believe in that we keep everything consistent so we didn't water load i was staying on 3.5 liters of water a day even on show day everybody else is dehydrated yeah, so last time I started on eight and then you go seven, six, five, four and like counting down to the show. And the day before my last show, I was on 500 mils of water, oh. which is nothing. And, yeah. I, and when you're used to drinking quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and my coach this year doesn't believe in that process. It's Dehydration is more for athletes who have taken steroids, like and you can manipulate the body a lot more. But for yeah. a natural competitor, dehydration, from what he's told me, will only factor maybe 2%. Make it 2% yeah. better. But are you willing to risk it and put your health through that for 2%? So yeah. we kept um, the water the same and we increased my carbs insanely. Like I In the ate- last week? Yeah, last week. Was that, I, I saw you, was it last week or the week before, and you said you had to eat like half a pumpkin for dinner? Yeah, 600 grams of pumpkin for dinner, 200 grams of pumpkin for, uh, 200 grams of rice for lunch. And this is to like fill you up with water again, mm. right? So it's basically to then, when Not you pump up and you're in the gym, you're, yeah. you want your muscles to be hydrated, but yeah. and then, or he keeps them hydrated, and then basically fills you out with carbs. And so on show day, you're literally backstage eating lollies and like getting the sugar pump and the carbs oh from sugar. And then you're like pumping all your muscles up. And then because you've loaded so much carbs into them in the week, the idea is that it will they then just like fill them out. Yeah. This is hilarious because this is one of the first conversations I have with clients. And I'm like, once you eliminate most of the grains and sugar and processed food from your diet, 
you'll drop a few kilos because your body's holding so much water. Whereas you guys do yeah, like I, I, the opposite at the end. Yeah, I think like, as well, even throughout the whole process, I'm still on carbs. I still like, and I yeah. think that's the thing is people think if they cut out, if they do a no fat diet or a no carb diet, like it will be fine. And I actually think the healthiest diet is just a balanced one. Yeah. Because in as long as your percentage of fat against carbs and protein is all at the right macros, yeah. then you'll be balanced. Yeah. Um, and I think the key thing is choosing the right carbs, like things like kumara, pumpkin and rice are good carbs because mm. they will keep you full, but they're low calories. So eating a yeah. 600 gram serve of pumpkin is the same as eating 200 grams of rice. And if you look at yeah. the portion size of that on a plate and you, cause you're a visual eater first. So you look at a plate and if it's a small portion, you're going to think you I'm going to be hungry eyes, after right? that. Yeah. Yeah. But if I've got 600 grams of pumpkin fill in half of my plate, then I've got my veg, which I'm allowed unlimited veg throughout the day. So if I'm hungry, I could literally snack on some broccoli or make a mini salad. Like I can Very eat good. non-starched veg to my heart's yeah. content. Um, so you've got all this pumpkin, your meat and your veg, and it is a humongous plate, even to the point Tom has been like, I can't eat that. Like that is too much food. Yeah. But the actual amount of food that's there when it's in your macros is still in a calorie. Like you've got that meal twice a day, plus a couple of protein shakes, plus 75 grams of oats and peanut butter. And your calories are 1,700. For the yeah, amount of food that you're eating. so interesting, isn't it? So it's just yeah, being smart I, on where yeah, you're distributing it's, it's being really smart. And like, I suppose to give you a bit of a background, because you don't even really know like what, what I work here with clients. Mm. We haven't really spoken about it ever. No. So when, when people first come to me, so you're talking about balancing macronutrients and carbs definitely not being bad. When most people come to me, they're eating the equivalent of like, 35 to 45 teaspoons of sugar equivalent worth of carbohydrates a day and well yeah so like i don't know what it is in macros but like up 200 plus grams of carbohydrates and they're not doing what you're doing so they may be doing 3,000 steps a day yeah maybe like not in not not lifting anything and not and what that does uh, on if you do that on repeat every day is it's having to be processed by the liver and then stored as body fat yeah which is what people are struggling with so but I think that's really good advice on like if you're moving as much as Megan guys um and it, yeah you just pointed out some really really good carbohydrate sources I think like, the message... they're all like really natural it's yeah not like going out and smashing a pizza or there is, um, I do think as well, it's down, like a lot of people actually under eat. And that's yeah. one of the first things I learned when I was starting off trying to lose weight was that my body kept plateauing, but it's yeah. because I was massively under eating. And I know I under eat now well, I'm cutting, but it's in like a sort of <laughs> controlled way. Like an intentional way. Yeah, but a lot of people day to day, if they're not training, like 
I'll be chatting to someone in the office and they'll, I'll say, oh, what have you got for lunch? And they're like, oh, I've just got crackers and an egg. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to sustain you. And they're like, oh, but I'm doing a diet. So then I'll have an apple and then I'll have like all these little bits that equate to nothing. So your body is ultimately starving, in which case yeah. it's going to hold on to every bit of fat it can because it's in shock and it thinks that it's going to starve. But yeah. if and so I say to them, honestly, eat 200 grams of rice for your lunch and 150 grams of rice for your dinner with every meal. And oh, you'll be that's so really, much that's, We're going to have to disagree on that because I have to pull so many people off rice. Not off no. rice, but with rice, sandwiches, sushi, bread. pasta. Yeah, like bread, When carbs, they pile all that on together. Anything that's processed, I don't have. Yeah. So like uh, that's really have, interesting. I can have quinoa, um, rice, pumpkin, and kumara are the main carbs source. Yeah. That I would so use. what what I have to come like when most people come to me, they're stacking some form of processed cereal or toast with like you say like crackers mm. and an apple or something like quite odd, some form of bread or processed lunch, and then more carbs in the form of snacks in the afternoon, but like not the good kind yeah do you know what I mean and then more in the evening so it's really interesting and I find everyone severely under eats protein mm. yeah I think yeah, yeah. I think you reckon people... you were back in the day yeah probably and I think it's more as well about being able to like I said like I think if it's in the right macros so like I'm on I just checked so I've got oh yeah tell me currently which i'm in a cut um so 145 grams of protein 147 grams of carbs and 20 grams of fat a day interesting so your fat's really low at the moment for the country. yeah but then we yeah. do i feel like i'm just rambling on now on once no, a week that's all right we'll do we'll do one more question at the end but yeah carry on once a week i get a refeed so basically oh, yeah. that's where we go from being on a low calorie day to a higher calorie day. And on that day I get extra carbs and way more extra fat. And so that is a way of like when you're in the cut, like not suggesting that people just eat low calorie during the week and then have a binge on a weekend. It's still very it's clean and very controlled. Very controlled environment. Yeah. yeah. But we would be low during the week and then by having that higher calorie day, and making sure you train on the day that you're having high calories and train the day after, you're using the energy and it also stops your body thinking that it's... It's it, just it, down-regulating. It, it makes it think that it's going to get more food again. Yeah. And so it will continue the cut. Whereas if yeah. you're just on low constantly, you're just not going to lose anything. So it's like yeah. knowing when your body needs to be fed, when it needs to be recovered, and when you feel like you need to enter recovery phase, you need to feed your body more. That's actually fascinating because I think that's what I not accidentally do, do quite knowingly. Yeah. <laughs> but like bodybuilder the theory, but eat really quite well during the week, relatively low calorie. Mm. And then at the weekend, just not really bloody worry that much. Yeah. Um, within reason. And so it does having, I definitely eat a lot more calories at the weekend, but almost like you say, like with intention. Yeah. And still do a workout on Saturday movement and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, cause I think keeping your calories really, really, really 
like painfully low for too long just isn't good for you especially no. really that is not fun who enjoys that not fun. i mean coming to me has sitting here being like i'm on a cut it, it is fun that is way more fun when you have more <laughs> i can't believe how actually sensible we've been on this podcast so far. i know i have to do like a megan non-prep podcast yeah so other time so moving on because we kept people for oh my god an hour and 23 minutes oh my god um uh what aspects of bodybuilding this is your takeaway dessert guys what aspects of bodybuilding do you reckon people can and should take into daily life um preparation of food i think that yeah. that should be and there i think that's something that everybody can do every day setting yourself goals and i think ultimately for bodybuilding the goal is show day so just set yeah. yourself a goal further down the line and that is what you're working towards um and i also think more people should just wear sparkly bikinis on the daily <laughs> just Why every not? day yeah i'd really have you ever cracked one out in queenstown no <laughs> <laughs> i dare you to like i need a festival in... or something yeah we do i remember um at Although you'd want to be in some form of really amazing cutting phase, because I don't think I would no. want to see myself in a sparkly bikini right now. I know, I keep joking to Tom. I think we're going to go on holiday in December somewhere. And I'm like, yeah, I'll amazing. pack the bikini. And it's just going to be like all these glitter rays coming off it. It'll but, be so cool. Yeah. Like, but it's funny, like, I'm really impressed that you're doing this and in New Zealand. But I think it probably is a, maybe a friendlier place to do it than the rest of the world. But like your sparkly bikini, I want you to crack it out as much as possible because <laughs> when I was in Europe last year, I, as you do, I just got back from Aussie and I've done it again. I was in Barcelona and bought a leopard print bikini that's like pretty much a thong. And I was like, bloody love it because women over there are like so confident, don't give two shits about their body composition or whether they look toned yeah. or not. They just absolutely rock it. And like, my God, Scott's eyes were like bursting out of his head on Barcelona Beach because there was just like these straps everywhere and like he didn't have a clue what was going on um and then in Aussie last week I admit really embarrassing I haven't seen the movie yet but I totally got Barbie fever uh, and found this bright pink one funny so I'm all about the leopard print bright pink yeah. sparkles glitter I, yeah you do turn a few hair New Zealand though yeah I think so as well but I think yeah I'm all I'm all here for the glam as well which is funny because day to day you see me in the gym and I'm like lucky if I've brushed my hair <laughs> and... well look at us we're like bloody Jeff Bezos in activewear yeah and like then black. so dull and then on show day you got 50 layers long. of tan sparkle everything and yeah unrecognizable on show day really but it's great yeah i, I am love that i'm gonna part. have to get you to send me some photos of you yeah. after this because i yeah. got, i'm gonna have to put it on the podcast cover so prepping your meals having a goal i think what your coach said about progress not perfection oh, yeah is massive really important mm -hmm. yeah really, i'd say that that's really the the main things is yeah the mindset the goal and being prepared in any way to get yourself there. Mindset. Yeah. It's all so, mindset, isn't it? Mm, so yeah, chop that pumpkin.
chop <laughs> that pumpkin, everyone. <laughs> chop that pumpkin. Yeah. Um, eat that venison. Yeah. One final question for you, Megan. Have you yeah. been out hunting yet? No. And I still <laughs> won't. <laughs> so because I was like, oh, I'm vegan because I don't want to hunt and kill the animals myself. But now I'm with someone who does that for me and I know exactly where it's come from. It makes me feel better about it. It's incredible, isn't it? That that, yeah, actually we're so lucky to live in this part of the world mm. and have boys or men, although I must give Scott a bit of a prod to actually go hunting, um, who can, yeah, bring yeah. home the, the, the bacon the or bacon, literally. literally, and we know where it's come from. Yeah, he did just sign me up to a, there's a shooting, so I got the shooting range, but I don't go hunting. Anyway, there's yeah. a shooting competition in Gibston at the end of September, and he's just signed me up for that. And I'm like, oh, that's my goodness. kind of guns, like, I don't know if that's my kind of guns, but. That is the most Kiwi thing I think I've ever heard. Yeah, so I'm going, it's actually two weeks, Three weeks You're going before from my next bikinis to a gun chasing competition. Yeah. <laughs> Three weeks before my next show, when I'm going to be in the thick of a cut, I'm going up a mountain to shoot guns. Wow! I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I'll that wear. That sounds so. I wear the bikini there. Wear the bikini. I'll bikini. put everybody else off with all the sparkle, and I'll win. What you will? You actually will. I won't be able to shoot straight. <laughs> And on that note, before we go any further off topic, Megan, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Hope everyone has enjoyed it. Mm. Cheers, guys. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Lifestyle Design Secrets podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do stop and take two seconds to subscribe and leave us a review. It means the world to us. If you are curious about working with us or checking out our new bite-sized guides or our full body reset transformation programs, please do head on over to our website, which is www.amysfitnessandnutrition.co.nz. Have a great day.